But he and I met, I guess it was after Tuesday night prayer a couple of weeks ago. And he said, hey, let's, can we talk? And I said, yeah. So we went out and we just went out together, hung out. And, and he just said, uh, there was a conversation. He said, you know, he said, I was listening to uh, this worship um, gathering that they had out at Bethel out in uh, California. And he said, this lady began to speak and, and she talked with this dream that she had. He said in the dream, she was trying to put her contacts on. She's a contact wearer. She was trying to put her contacts on. And she went to, to grab the contact. All of a sudden, the contact began to grow in her hand. It was like, and it was like, you know, it's kind of awkward, right? And then I put it back in the, into the saline solution, and it would shrink back down. So I picked it up again, tried to put it on. I was like, eh, this wasn't working at all. She said, I was getting a little frustrated. Why won't my lens work? Why can't I put my contact lens in? And so I'm literally in my dream just frustrated. He said, and she said, all of a sudden, she said, I, I, I just said, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? And God spoke in the moment of the dream as God does. I take that back. Actually, she woke up. She woke up and goes, God, what are you doing? That's what it was. And, and when she woke up, like she said, God, what are you doing in this? And, and she just felt like God spoke clearly and said, I'm not trying to give you a new lens in the way that you view life. I'm trying to heal your eyesight. And Josh said in the moment, he said, Steve, I was in the middle of reading Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He said, and I, and I heard this word, and I felt like God was speaking to me, Steve. And you can just ask him to tell you his own story in this. But he said, and I'm just kind of giving you just nuts and bolts of it. But he said, in the moment, Steve, I just sat there and went, God speaking. He's like, this isn't a lens. This isn't another study that we're doing. This isn't just something else I'm going to add to my quiver of arrows or another lens I'm going to add to the, all the other lenses I have in the context of my spiritual life. I believe God's saying, I want to heal you and give you new eyesight. And in the moment for him, I thought, as he was speaking, I was just, man, I'm not going to lie. I actually went and found it on, I found it on YouTube. I can't remember who it was now, but I went on YouTube and found this video and I was watching it on Thursday. I was like, I'm listening to it and I'm like in tears and I'm like, God, there's just something stirring in the midst of what you're trying to do for your people. He's not trying to give you another lens of how you view spirituality. He's not trying to give you just one more thing of understanding. He literally in the moment is trying to heal the way that we view God and the way that we view ourselves and the way that we view others. And so as we dive into the study and continue on for the next several weeks, I want you to receive this word of God wanting to bring healing, not just to provide one more thing of understanding for you. He really wants, listen, he wants to change everything. He wants to change everything. I literally, I was sitting there in prayers as I listened to this lady share this testimony. It was in a completely kind of a different scenario of what she was talking about. It was her own specific situation that she was in at this school she's a part of. But, but as God spoke in this moment, I just began to see my own life and began to see my own struggles. Began to remember a dream that I had like 20 years ago of God literally waking me up from a dream. I thought I had, listen, I thought I had been awake. But I was actually asleep and I woke up and realized, God, I literally thought I had been awake, but I was actually asleep. 
And he awakened me in my dream. And all of a sudden, I walked out of this cave that I had been and didn't even realize it. And walked out and looked out to and saw all of a sudden, like everything in HD, right? Everything in HD. And I look at and I see this kingdom in the distance. And he said, this is what I have for you. And so as we dive in this morning and as we continue to go through emotionally healthy spirituality, and as you continue to look at your life, what I want you to hear me say, what I want you to recognize that God is doing, and everybody pay attention, God wants to make you highly, highly, highly uncomfortable with your life. Like God wants to make you miserable in a holy way. Because the only way that he can bring you into healing is to point his finger at the most broken places of yourself and put his finger there and make you uncomfortable and not let go of this finger until you realize this is what it is that's keeping you from healing. And so if you're already miserable and you're trying to run away because it hurts too much, please stop running. You have to go through hell to get to the other side. And you're like, that sounds great, Steve. Let's go, right? But I think you all, if you're honest with yourself, understand what I'm saying. Because I don't know about you, but whenever God puts his finger on my greatest insecurities, it doesn't feel good. When God puts his finger on the greatest felt sin in my life i don't go this is the best day ever god is great way to go jesus i'm full of joy hallelujah i don't do that i go oh that hurts god but don't take your finger off until i've actually received healing so i can continue to move forward so that's where we are God's not trying to give you the lens. Don't, listen, stop reading the book going, oh my gosh, this would be great for my Aunt Joan. Oh my gosh, this would be so perfect for my brother. No, read it and go, Jesus, what do you have for me? Don't read it for your spouse. Can I get an amen? All right. So last week's message, last week's message, we focused on what we said is the ultimate, the ultimate remedy that brings about emotionally healthy spirituality in our, in our lives. If you did not hear the message last week, I encourage you to listen to it because basically I gave you the answer at the very, very beginning. What Peter Scazzaro is moving us towards, he would say this. If we want to live emotionally healthy spiritual lives, then we have to have this arrow. He said we have to have this part. This is the up and down arrow. The vertical arrow is the contemplative life. You as a spiritual being in relationship with God, you must intentionally slow down every day to be with God, to listen to him and let him tell you how much he loves you. So the up and down arrow, we first must live in relationship with God and listen and make as the primary work. Of your life. The primary job, the, the primary job, the primary work of your life is to slow down every day and to be with Jesus. Not so he can give you a to do list, 
but so he can tell you that he loves you, that he is for you, that he is not against you. So you will know the depth and the width and the height and the breadth of God's love for you. Because when you stand in a place of understanding God's love for you, then everything changes and he wants to awaken you to it. The second part of the arrow is the horizontal line. And he says, this is emotional health. Emotional health. What does this mean, Steve? It means you're not completely mature and holy in Christ. Can I get an amen? You have growth areas. You have broken places in you that are hindering you from loving others well, from loving God and from loving your neighbors well. And so he's saying, so in our lives, horizontally, emotional health, I am allowing God to put his finger on my 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 growth areas. I'm aware of them and I'm giving myself to the growth of them so that I can remove all obstacles that keep me from loving well. So I'm going to give myself to a contemplative life, slowing down as the primary work in my, my the primary work in my life every day to be with Jesus, and I'm going to give myself to emotional health, letting God put his finger on my growth areas so that I can love well. Love God, love your neighbor. And he's saying we're broken in those two. And the emotional health piece is saying you're all pretty bad at loving others because by nature we are so self-focused and self-absorbed because that's the lie of our culture. So this morning, three questions to start out. They're on the screen right here. First question is this. First question is this. How many, how many First question, you find, thank you. How many of you believe you still have room to grow in every area of your life? Can I get a show of hands? How many? Thank you. Okay. We are on the path to emotional health. Good job, everybody, right? Okay. How many of you know Jesus is committed to your ongoing transformation? Let's see a show of hands. Like, you know that Jesus wants to grow you, okay? So most of you raised your hands, right? That's really good. We're all on the path. Third piece, how many of you know the specific areas today Jesus is putting his finger on right now to transform you? Fantastic. So you're on this journey. And here's the point of chapter four that we're diving into this week. The title of it is knowing yourself that you may know God. Knowing yourself that you may know God. So we have this dynamic going down that God, listen, this is important. Knowing yourself, God's growth in us demands our partnership with him. God's growth in us demands our partnership with him. If we're going to grow, listen, if God's going to grow us, then we have to know those areas and then partner with him in them. We must agree with him, be on the same page and intentionally engage the area that he's putting his fingers on. The end result Jesus has for us as individuals, that we will be our true selves or that we will live our real life. Being who God created us to be and doing what God created us to do, right? And so the idea for us is this. If God is putting his finger on those things to grow us, to make us emotionally healthy in a spiritual way, then we have to know ourselves, know what's going on so that we can fully know God and then fully love others. 
Again, one of those people who, who I believe in Scripture is most aware and awakened to this is David. We talked about David a little bit this last week. Talk about it again this week. Looking at it from chapter uh, 139 of the Psalms. I'm not going to go into all of this, but kind of the first 18 verses. You can read it for yourself. It's all real familiar to you, right? The first 18 verses of Psalm 139 are David's expression of thankfulness, God, David's worship before God, recognizing God's goodness, recognizing God's kindness, recognizing his loving nearness, God's intimate knowledge of his inmost thoughts. Here is a, a few verses right here on the screen. First one says, you have searched me, verse one, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. I love this. Say, God, you are so intertwined in my daily life. You know everything going on. You know all of my thoughts. You know everyone being mean to me. You know everyone I'm being mean to. You know the dark thoughts. You know the light thoughts, right? Verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, right? I, I love David. I know them full well. Do you see the knowledge that David has of God? This is like, I praise you because like I'm, I'm so aware of myself that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Like I'm so aware of what you think about me and what you feel about me, God. I'm so aware of how you shaped me, God. And, and I'm just so aware of the wonderful works you've done in my life. I know them full well. I love this. Verse 17. How precious are your thoughts, God. How can David know this? Because he knows them. He knows the thoughts of God. He's lived the contemplative life so well and so powerfully, stopping four times a day at least as the king of a nation who doesn't have time to do it. But you know what's the primary work of his day so nothing would get in the way of it? Right? I love that. How precious are your thoughts because I know them so well, God, because we've lived together for so long. How vast is the sun? I can barely think about all of them. We see David defining his true self as one who's in relationship with God, one who relates to God, one who's so intimate with God. But then things shift in verse 19. And honestly, I'm really glad that they shift. Go and put on the screen for me. Here we go. Here we go. Verse 19, Psalm 139. I know he just like it's like all this praise. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. Oh, God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you, God, wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? Also, do not do not I not loathe those who rise up against you. I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. And so we read that and go, oh, okay, so it's it's okay to hate everybody, hate people. And so we go, see, David did. David was like praising and he says, I hate all these people. So it's okay to hate people. And we go, eh. Jesus says to love your enemies. And David hates his. Hmm. That should probably make me stop and go, what's David doing? I wonder if David is just really aware of self. I wonder if David is in the moment of worship and praise, very aware of his own struggles. He's aware of his own 
issues. He's aware of God doing this. His feelings of hatred are pointing to him that something is not right in his heart. So he comes in in verse 23 and 24 and says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me, O God. Search my innermost thoughts. Search the source of my struggles, right? Search the the source of my anger and know my heart. Try me. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. In the moment, David is worshiping, but all of a sudden he becomes aware of his internal struggles. He is aware of the obstacles he is facing mentally, the internal struggles that are confronting, confronting him. And he asks God to intervene. He is self-aware of his broken feelings, of his struggles, right? He becomes very aware of like, I love God. I'm so confident of my relationship with him. I know that he is for me, but God, I can't be, I, gotta, I can't lie. I feel this. I feel this hatred, this same way I felt hatred for Goliath when he was ridiculing you and I killed him. But in this, God, I'm not comfortable because God, I know it's not okay for me to hate my enemies because you love them. David's not saying it's okay for him to hate, saying, God, search me. Know these. What's the source of my hatred? What's the source of my anger? God, what's the, I can't, I can't figure, I know it's there. I can't figure it out. God, what is the struggle going on inside of me? Search me. God, I can't, listen, I can't figure it out myself. There is nothing more frustrating than trying to figure things out on my own. To be self-aware without God leading me in it. So when I use the phrase self-aware, think about being God-aware. That's what Oswald Chambers calls it. Not just self-aware, like I'm going on my own journey and trying to figure out my struggles. I'm not going to just go to a counselor with a counselor saying what's going on. No, God, would you search me? God, we're going to go on a journey together. God, would we look in the mirror together and help me look at my heart? And together, would you lead me to understand what's in the deepest core of my being? Because it's overwhelming, God. I'm just living in anger and hatred, and I can't let anger and hatred define my existence. It's defining me, God. I want to worship you and I am, but I can't lie. Every day I hate these people. I want to kill them. I want them to die. Help me, God. Search me. Please know my heart because I can't know it. Search me, oh God, and you know my heart so you can share it with me, right? Know my anxious thoughts. Listen, when I read that this week, I stopped and said, Jesus, this is a word for me. God, I've got anxious thoughts about life that are stirring, and I feel it with the very core of my being. Oh, God, I mean, literally, there's this, this day, and all of a sudden, like, all this stuff came down on one day, and I'm, like, trying to prepare to be holy in a message. I'm like, oh, right? Like, Jesus, like, oh, shoot, right? Whatever it is, it's like this whole moment of, like, oh, oh, anxious, anxious, anxiety, anxiety. I'm like, I can feel it. It started, like, in the middle of my back. It came up into my, my head, and you could feel, like, my muscles tense. Have you all ever experienced that? Am I the only one? here right now i'm like totally experienced like no no and i'm like no my anxious thoughts oh jesus hear this this is what's happening this morning ha you just revealed to me my anxious thoughts put it right here you just revealed to me my anxious thoughts oh 
you know them and they're pointing to a broken place inside of me of trying to control things thank you Jesus it's too much for me help me that's the message this morning knowing myself why so that I can know God Because when I just focus on my anxious thoughts, guess who I don't know? God, I know myself. I know my own abilities. I start trying to figure things out in my own strength. I try to like finagle and woo things and make things happen. And due to my own strength, I get more stressed and more anxious, right? So I know myself, not God's God's grace, not God's power, not God's intervention. This is what David's experiencing, right? No, my anxious thoughts, God. The issue we face in growing in our emotionally healthy spirituality is that many of us were just unaware of our growth theories. We're not aware that when God puts his finger on things and our feelings begin to to overwhelm us, we don't recognize that's God speaking to us. I'll say it again. We listen. Our feelings and our emotions, we don't recognize that that's how God speaks to us to show us our growth areas. We are unaware of these areas where God is ultimately moving. Therefore, in those moments, we're not working with him in our spiritual growth. Are we aware? Are we aware of self, the places where God is wanting to move in us? This morning, I want to name just a couple of things that we have to do and kind of talk about them at length. The first thing, we have to acknowledge your false self. We, need to, we all need to acknowledge our false self, or you need to acknowledge your false self. The area, listen, what's the false self? Well, it's these areas of our brokenness, the areas of our, our feelings that we have not worked through. It's the areas of our life of insecurities. It's these areas, right, of our, as Paul called, the flesh, these areas that seemingly are still broken inside of us that God wants to move in. In Matthew 3.17, the Father spoke from heaven about His Son. Jesus said this, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And do you know who was not surprised at all by this? Jesus. Like, Jesus didn't go, Oh my gosh, are you serious? God, I didn't know you felt that way about... Are you serious? Mm, right there, man. I feel it, God. Oh, my, thank you so much for telling me. He wasn't shocked. He said, you know why the Father said that? So everyone around Jesus would already know what he and Jesus knew. Jesus was like, told you. <laughs> Bam, right? I mean, literally, this moment, he didn't really do that, guys. I was just, I wish he did. That'd been awesome. He must like if he had written this, and Jesus said, "Bam, take that." That'd been awesome, but he didn't. So anyway, but he would have if he were living today's culture, right now. So this idea is, Gee, I am, you, I am well pleased, and you're my son. And so here's the thing: you know what Jesus had done up to this point? Listen, I've said this before, but do you know what Jesus had done up to this point? Nothing. He hadn't done anything. He lived 30 years of his life, hadn't healed a person, hadn't raised anybody from the dead, hadn't done a miracle. He just lived his life, made some chairs, made some tables, right? Because he was a carpenter, hung out with his mom and took care of her and provided for her, took care of his younger brothers and sisters right in the moment, right? He just kind of lived his life in, in the community that did some great, just, just kind of was a, was, a, was a good member of society in relationship with the Father, being obedient to what God had called him to in that season, right? He hadn't done anything of stature, anything massive. But so when the father spoke, this said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And in this moment, we hear the father defining for Jesus who Jesus' true self is. He was loved. 
The father was pleased with him and he didn't have to perform for him. He was loved. The father was for him. He didn't wake up in the, middle, in, the, in the morning going, Oh, Jesus, oh, oh, I need to just mm, need to perform for you today. I need to earn your love. I need to do great things for you. You don't think that, but you feel it. i got to do the right thing today. But I'm not sin today because if I sin, if the wall between me and God, I have a bad day. But I have a quiet time because my quiet time is the pathway of God's grace. And I don't have a quiet time being God's going to give me a bad day to teach me a lesson. Right? We believe stupid things like that. He was loved. The Father was pleased with him. He didn't have to perform for him. For Jesus, hear this, the love of the Father was and still is the foundation for his self-understanding. Just another way of saying, Jesus understood himself only in light of the God's Father's love for him. That's how he would define him. Who, like when we said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I'm just loved by the Father. But what do you do? I'm loved by him. That's what I do. I just live my life every day being loved by him and not gives me all the satisfaction. I need. But what do you do? Whatever he wants me to do, because I just love being with him and being loved by him. So, but what do you do? Whatever he wants me to do. But what do you do? Stop trying to give me a false self. I'm not defined by what I do. I'm defined by who I am. Our true self, our real life, listen, our true self, our real life will only revolve around and be based on our confidence in the Father's love for us. Emotionally healthy spirituality and our contemplative life awakens us to the fact that we are simply who God says we are, and that's his child. I'm not sitting here and telling you I love Anna Catherine because she batted a thousand this year in softball. She did. Bam! I can do that. I don't love her because she did it. I don't love her because she top ten in the state and cross country. I'm not. I don't love her because of that. Bam! That's awesome. I don't come home. And go. I love you today because of what you did. No, I love her because she's mine. And that's. I don't want her to go. Oh, Daddy, see, I just I batted a thousand for you. And I look at her and say, baby, I'm glad you betted a thousand, but if you betted zero, I thought you were awesome because you're mine. Our confidence has to be found in the Father's love for us. The problem is this isn't the lens, right? This isn't the lens through which we normally view self. So many of us fall into the temptations of the world. Here are the temptations, the three primary temptations. This is actually taken from In the Name of Jesus by Henry Nouwen. First one is I am what I do, performance. I am what I do. What do you do for a living? Well, and if you and if you do a low job, you're embarrassed to say what you do. If you have a high level job, you're like, well, I am blah blah blah, right? We I I am what I do. It's a temptation we fall into. Number two, the temptation, I am what I have. Do you look do you have desires to have what somebody else has? Do you feel better than somebody else because of what you drive, where you live, and what you have? Number three, I am what others think of me. Popularity. Like, was it a good day because somebody thought that you're great? Was it a bad day because someone didn't think you were as good as you think that you are? 
so then the active lens that we live under them, the context of these temptations are right here. Number one, number one is fear. We live defined by fear with a lens of fear. We live with a lens of self-protection, trying to guard self, protect self. You can't speak down to me, whatever it is, passivity, right? We just kind of get stuck in life. Oh, I just can't even, can't even do anything. Number four, manipulation, trying to manipulate ourselves into things or out of things. Number five, self-destructive tendencies. Number six, self-promotion. Number seven, self-indulgence. These are all of these lens of false self that are active among us today, but we can't miss what Josh's testimony was or would have been this morning if he had been here. God doesn't want to change our land. He wants to heal our eyesight. He wants to heal us. He wants to all of a sudden not to shift us away from this, but to say, I'm no longer ultimately defined by any of these. I'm so defined by God's love for me as his son, as his daughter, and I'm not defined by any of the temptations, right? It doesn't really matter what I do, what I have, or what others think of me. If he thinks I'm awesome and he loves me, then it's the best day. Even if all hell is breaking loose against me, even though death has occurred in my family, no matter what happens, God is for me. God loves me. And as overwhelmed as I am with everything in life, He is for me. And that's my true self. Jesus, I want to slow down and make the primary work of my life to be awakened to my true self. Because when I am, it changes everything. And my eyesight is healed for everything else that goes on in my life. David, Search me, O oh God. You see this. I see it. You see it. I see it. We see it. You see that? We have to get that out. Because it's a, it's a lie of my false self. Because I hate them. Because that's a sign of selfishness. That I think that I'm better than someone else. Hatred is always birth of our own high view of self. The lens of false self is active among us today. He wants to heal our eyesight. Are you aware of where God is putting his finger today? David named his in 19 through 22. He named his. I hate people. I want to murder them. That's ultimately what I want. Hate is equal to murder. The second thing that we have to do in this is we have to, knowing my true self then begins with knowing myself. Knowing my true self, who God views me as, begins with knowing myself. Augustine, well, these, these are not on the screen, but Augustine once said, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know you. St. Teresa of Avila said, Almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. I'm not talking here about spiritual narcissism. We're not talking about this life of self-absorption and a life of self-gazing. We are talking about agreeing with Jesus that there are broken places in me that he wants to grow. So I'm going to slow down to let him speak to me about them, put his finger on them so I can grow into my true self, my real life in Jesus. God, search me. 
I'm so aware of my false self. I'm so aware of these lenses. God, I don't want a new lens. I want you to heal me, God, and bring me into my true self, God. But I know it begins with you putting your finger on my broken places. You putting your finger on my weaknesses, God. You putting your finger on these broken areas of my life, God. And my feelings speak to what they are. My feelings speak to what they are. Page 71 in your book, uh, uh, Emotion of the Spirituality, says this. The call of discipleship, becoming Christ-like, includes experiencing our feelings, reflecting on our feelings, and then thoroughly responding to our feelings under the lordship of Jesus. This is looking in the mirror with Jesus, not just me trying to figure things out myself, but under the lordship of Jesus saying, God, why do I have that feeling? What's going on? Jesus, that's what David said, Jesus, search me and know me. Why are these feelings here? Know my anxious thoughts. Anxious thoughts are feelings. Jesus wants to make us, listen, Jesus wants to make us aware of our growth areas. Our feelings point to our growth areas. Our growth areas are the places that we can grow into Christ's likeness. Our growth areas are the places that left where they are will keep us from emotional health and the ability to love others well. And knowing my feelings, I can know myself and know where God is moving. I'm sitting there, anxious thoughts. I'm aware of them. Oh, Jesus. What is the source of them? What about my false self am I believing today? Jesus, help speak into me, search me and know me. No, help me understand the anxious thoughts. Your feelings are like gauges in your car. There are all sorts of gauges, right? And one of those gauges, I'm just going to, they're talking about one of them, right? One of our gauges is a temp gauge. So if I'm driving down the road, And I look down and my temp gauge is pinned all the way to the highest temperature. I know there's a problem, right? I know there's a problem. And so what do I do? I pull over to the side. I stop and let my engine cool down and try to figure out what's going on. That's what we, that's what the gauges do. They highlight our problems so we can fix them. What would happen if you kept on driving your car? It would either blow blow up or just stop working. Like, I've been driving my car, look down, I'm like, oh, no. And I start, maybe I can make it to the top of the hill. And I'll say, and I just like, and I die. I'm like, oh, oh, thank you for the gauge, but oh, I've been great to make it to the top of the hill, right? It's like the gauges help highlight what's going, the problem, what's going on with my car. My feelings are gauges to help me pinpoint that something is not right in my life. We have to be aware. We have to know how the gauges work in our car. We have to know how God uses our feelings in our life. Emotions, hear this. Your emotions, and listen, your emotions and feelings are God's gift to you to make you aware of broken places in your life that have helped build our false self and need to be addressed to build our true self. Think about these eight main families of emotions and how they impact you. Think about these things. I think they're on the screen. Number one is anger. Do we have that? Did I put it in there? Sorry. Number one, this is, this is in your book, okay? Number one is anger. Number two is sadness. Just think about this list. Anger is a feeling that you have. Sadness is a feeling that you have. Fear is a feeling that you have. Enjoyment is a feeling that you have. Love is a feeling that you have. Surprise and disgust and shame. And so... 
looking at all of these emotions, primarily, let's focus on process these three primary emotions, fear, sadness, and anger. What if I told you this morning that fear, sadness, and anger are gifts from God to you? They're gifts from God to you. Think of it this way. Moving through life, a situation occurs and one of these emotions pop up, sadness pops up. And in the moment, how do we naturally respond? Number one, sometimes we cower, overcome by the emotion of the moment. We want to curl up in bed in the fetal position and just succumb to it and let that have its way in our life in the day and just hope we wake up tomorrow it will go away. That's one way to respond to it. Do we just, like in our like these like faith-based, do we just rebuke it in Jesus' name as an assault from the enemy? And then just like, yeah, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, rebuke you in Jesus' name. Pretend like it doesn't exist and I get to walk away from it. Because it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. Or do we view it and go, oh, as a gauge while we're driving, oh, oh sadness has peaked on my gauge today. Ooh, should probably pull over in a contemplative moment with the Lord and ask him, where did that come from? How many of you say gauges are gifts in your car? Feelings are gauges that pinpoint these areas of our false self that God says, I'm allowing you to have those. I'm even giving them sometimes to you to awaken you to your growth areas in your life. So, Steve, are you saying that sadness and fear is never an assault from the enemy? No, I'm not saying that. Are you saying I should never rebuke that or never pray against it? No, I'm not saying that. But isn't it interesting that there are some things that make you sad and some things that don't? And the things that don't make somebody else sad and not you? Or some things that produce fear inside of you that don't produce fear in me? But there are some things that produce fear in me that doesn't produce fear in you. And all of a sudden you should go, so then if sadness and fear is there, then it's pointing to a broken place in my life. So if it's bringing me fear and not Shelly, well, then that's something that God's highlighting inside of me that I would go on a journey with him to let him put his finger on to bring me to my true self of breakthrough and of healing. Are y'all tracking with me? I hope you're tracking with me. Basically, I'm saying there are some things. So, so in that moment, so to say I experienced sadness, like, oh, and Randall's like, why are you sad about that? I'm like, I, I don't know. This is like, I'm totally oh, overcome. And she's like, well, I'm not sad about that. I, that's great. I don't know, but I am. And so in her, this great love, he's like, well, let's pray into that together. And help you figure out why is that producing fear. So we say, Jesus, I just command the enemy to release Steve from where this is overwhelming him. And now Jesus opened his ears to hear what you're trying to speak in it. God, make him aware of self so that he can fully know you so there's no obstacle in the way. When you feel, it was simply stated, when you feel, God's trying to speak to you. That's the most simple way of saying it. When you feel anything, 
God's tried to speak to you. And the correct thing is not to go try to figure it out yourself. You go, Jesus, what is that? What is the source of that? What's going on with that? Jesus, I need you to help me. The gauge has been pinned. I don't understand. God, you want to bring healing. You want to bring restoration. You want to bring breakthrough. Help me be aware of God. Help me be aware of where I'm believing the false self. Bring me into the true self, right? Being honest about our feelings, recognizing them, processing them with Jesus. Listen, being honest, not running from them, recognizing them, and then processing them with Jesus and learning from them causes us to grow into our true self. Masks come down. Walls come down. And there's nothing we're trying to hide. We become comfortable in our own skin. Jesus was so comfortable in his own skin. David was so comfortable in his own skin. He literally danced before the Ark of the Covenant. We said last week, in front of all these people in his whitey tighties because he was so comfortable in who he was with God. Do not do that here. God, remember we said earlier, God is committed to your ongoing transformation. Which means that God is completely comfortable doing this and doing this. How are you responding when the feelings arise that are the gauge to tell you that it's time to go process those with Jesus? Like some people, they have something that arises and they just sit over here and they just go, blah, 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 I'm so frustrated, and they just kind of like vent rather than go really give themselves to processing in depth with God until he speaks. We have to let God speak into them. In your book, and I'm going to end with this phrase, he says, the goal for us is to die to our false self and be awakened to our true self. Right? Waken to our false self. Be awakened to die to this false self. Be awakened to our true self. And he says in the book, he calls this differentiation. Read it in your book. In the book, he calls this differentiation. The ability to hold on to who you are so you can release who you are not. Holding on to who you are in God. And then releasing who you were not. We must move to the place where we are not influenced by others. We're not influenced by unhealthy emotions. But instead, we walk confident as God's children in whom he is well pleased. Trusting that he will put his finger on us. And as we say to him, always search me and know me, O God. This is God's work he's doing in us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence this morning with us. God, as we come into a time of worship, a time of reflection, we simply pray, Jesus, that you would awaken us from our dream life, this dream of who we, who we think we are into actually who you see us to be, God. God, we are the walking wounded all day long who just are walking with emotions and issues from our past and things that are unhealthy. We've never actually dealt with being defined by our false self, being defined by the temptations that we, we, we struggle with every day long. Every day, Lord, all day long. And I simply pray this morning, Jesus, that you would awaken us to where your fingers are on our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In response this morning, I, I want to invite you a couple of things. We have ministry teams that are available. 
And there are lots of things that are stirring in your life, lots of broken places, lots of things you're wrestling with, lots of things that are hurting inside of you, things physically and emotionally and spiritually. We want to pray for you today, whatever that may be. If anything, this is overwhelming and you would love for someone to come alongside and walk with you and pray for you about it. Then we want to pray this morning and believing God for breakthrough, just believing God for, for restoration in your life and healing. So I invite you to come. As we pray into that. Number two, we have communion available here to celebrate the work of God, to lead you into your true self. The third thing we see this morning, we have our, we have our, our altar here. When we come to the altar this morning, just pray. Say, God, search me and know me. This morning, we need to spend time saying, God, search me. Put your, let me be, help me be honest about my frustrations. Let me be honest about my anger. Help me be honest about my hatred, God. Help me be honest about my sadness. Help me be honest about my fears, God. Just help me, God. Put your finger on them. Show me what's going on, Lord. Bring healing. Bring restoration. Lead me to my true self, God. If you came this morning ready to worship through your tithes and offerings, here are our baskets here, and there's a, a box right there between the two sets of doors as you walk out and a giving kiosk outside. We just want to leave this morning in a time of worship and a time of being honest with God and letting him put his finger on things of our lives. So when we come to our small groups this week that will say, this is where God has his finger. He responds, the Lord leads this morning. You guys have a great week. We are officially done, officially released you this morning, but responds, the Lord leads. And don't forget to sign up for the signups this morning. We love you guys. Lord, I come and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you. i mm-hmm.